Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Something. Hello and welcome to part two of Happy Mum, Happy Baby Live! I mean, you were louder earlier. Are you dipping? Or has the wine sunk in? Are you feeling a bit more relaxed? Yeah? All good, good. Right, now it's the exciting part. I mean, it's all been great, but now we're on to like what you might have heard before in like the podcast. It's a normal podcast. Yay, podcast, but live. Amazing. Um, so please welcome tonight's guest, it's Christine McGuinness. <laughs> she promised me a moonwalk. That's not a moonwalk. Here we go. Yeah, okay. I'll give you Thank that. Thank you I'll all for staying. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hi. Hi. How are you? Thank you so much for staying. I know most of us are probably mums and you're all probably shattered. But let's just enjoy the fact that we didn't do bedtime tonight. <laughs> Honestly, this is my night off. I'm staying. I'm not going home. I'm here. I'm here. I've got three nights away. Oh, wow. How do you feel about that? Um, Emotional. Emotional, yeah. Yeah. I don't sleep. I know. Don't pity me. I don't sleep very well in hotels, like when I'm not with them. Really? Yeah, it's weird. I'll be up every hour. (laughs) What planet are you from? How many children have you got? Three. Is she really a (laughs) mum? Right, Christine, you, what was your childhood like? 
Oh, I wasn't ready for that question. <laughs> well, let me just think about that. I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. You want me to go back 21 years? Um, well, <laughs> I was from, I don't want to call it a broken family, but a mixed family, should I say. I've got an older sister and a younger brother with different dads. I was raised by a single parent, just my mum, and we didn't have much, but we were happy. And mum was always there for us, whatever we needed. We, we always had mum, but financially we didn't really have anything. But yeah, we, we were happy and we always had mum. And I think that's what really, really made me want to be the best mum I could be was because my mum, although she had nothing, she gave us all her time and all her love and all her energy. And yeah. What kind of mum did you think average. you were going to be before you actually became a mum? I think because my dad wasn't around, I always wanted that family. I knew from a young age when I was looking at boyfriends, it sounds daft now thinking about it, but I always would look at a boyfriend and think, could he be a potential father to my children? Is he going to be a good dad and a husband that's going to stick around forever? I think because I never had that, I really, really wanted it. And because of how my mum was, giving all her time to her three children, that's all I ever wanted to do. I remember being at school and the teachers were like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And all my friends seemed to know what they wanted to do. They were going to go to college and do makeup or they were going to be a teacher or a nurse. And, and I just wanted to be a mom. And I think at the time it didn't sound ambitious enough for the teachers to sort of go, well, that's not really a job. But that's all I ever wanted to do. I knew I always wanted to be a mom. Um, and I'm, I'm so glad and blessed that I am. I've got three young children. I just wanted to be a mom, a stay-at-home mom. And when you first got pregnant, what was it like seeing that, that test say that you were flash up, that you were pregnant? It was twins. <laughs> Did, but you didn't <laughs> know that when you had attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was a long time. It took four years for me to get pregnant. Did I you have to go through IVF or anything? No, so I, similar to one of the stories, earlier I had anorexia for over 10 years as a child and all through my teenage years. Sort of got better when I met my husband, 19, 20, I was getting better. And it was that strive and that I just really wanted to be a mom that made me get over that because when I went to see the doctor, they said the reason... I wasn't ovulating, I wasn't having periods, and it was all down to me having an eating disorder. So that is what made me get better. But it took four years for everything to regulate itself, if that makes sense. And eventually, I tried a bit too hard and got pregnant with <laughs> twins. Um, but yeah, it, it was, was amazing. It like? So first of all, seeing the test and realising that you're pregnant after four years, not even knowing that it was twins, yeah. that must have been emotional I just couldn't itself. believe it. I must have done 20 tests, I think, because... I'd done all of the, you know, where you track it on the chart and you're checking your temperature and what day of the week is it and what time is it? And I don't care if you've been in London for a week. It is today. That test is smiling at me today. So you're doing it five times. Um, no, I wish. But yeah. Is there anyone who's got twins five times? But yeah, my husband works away a lot, so we had to make the most of our time together. Um, but yeah, it worked. It worked. And I just, I could not believe it. I really couldn't believe it um, when the test came up positive And I'd done it over and over again. And um, we were just so happy. How we did were... you tell Paddy? Or were you together? Uh, you no, we, we were there. It was, it was, oh, we'd done this for four years. We'd done the test every month for four years. And it always came back negative. And... 
I'd got to the point where I just didn't want to do it anymore and I'd expect it to be negative and you'd leave it on the side and you just wouldn't even check it. And this time, my period was a little bit late, so I was feeling a little bit more hopeful. But he was just like, yeah, go on, go and piss on your stick. I'm going to just wait downstairs. And, <laughs> and I shouted him, I shouted him over the, the balcony in the house. So I was like, what did you shout? <laughs> Oh my God! I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I can see. I can see two lines. And he was like, "No, you no, I you can't." I don't understand this. People always who get the no. lines one pregnant, yes. not pregnant. <laughs> yeah, I can't do the lines because I was buying them off eBay. I wanted it all to be confidential. Because for those oh, who yes, don't course, know, yeah, um, yeah my. Husband is um, Paddy McGuinness. You might not even know him, but <laughs> no like it, that one. So, so, so I didn't want to go into Tesco and buy pregnancy tests every week. So I got the really cheap packs of 40 that you just weed on it. <laughs> and it came up with two lines. So that's why I had it. <laughs> and then you went to a scan. Talk me through that reaction of realising that you were having twins. So this is, honestly, this is true, right? So she went, oh, this is brilliant. I can see a heartbeat. You're pregnant. I was like, oh, thank God. This is amazing. And she went, yeah, I can see two heartbeats. And my husband went, oh, well, I should think so, because Christine's heart needs to be beaten as well if she's going to carry this baby. <laughs> my heart's not in my womb darling <laughs> but yeah that's true there is twins in my family but we still wasn't expecting it and I think after trying for so long as well just the fact to have one baby was amazing but to be told that we were having twins you know this is the part where we're not thinking about the vomit on our clothes and that we're going to be up all night for six years and the teeth and all so we were just in bliss we were like this is amazing it's lovely <laughs> yeah didn't last long <laughs> what was your pregnancy like do you know my pregnancy was really really good I was tired like you know most are for the first 12 weeks there was one part that I'll never ever forget um I still get emotional thinking about it. I thought I lost the twins. And I think just after trying for so long, the thought of losing them, it broke my heart. I, I, thank God they were absolutely fine. Um, I had a really heavy bleed, really heavy, uh, three months. I was convinced I must have lost them. But yeah, I went, I went for a scan and they said, no, they're absolutely fine. Apparently that can happen with twins. Or in any pregnancy, really, it can happen. You can, you can bleed through your pregnancy, but... The thought of losing them, I'd, I'd already fell in love with them. These were babies to me, and for people that that does happen to, God, I can't imagine. Well, that's the thing, it isn't it? Be. When we talk about miscarriage and things like that, and people say, oh, don't worry, you know, better luck next time, or it's just one of those things. Yeah, or no, they were my pregnant. babies. I'd already planned our life together, yeah. and yeah, I, I wanted those two. I didn't want to go and have another one. Yeah, so I totally get it, um, but thank God they were absolutely fine. Other than that, the pregnancy went really well. It didn't stop me from doing anything. I didn't really do much at the time, so <laughs> it was fine. Um, but yeah, I went all the way to 40 weeks. People go, oh, it's twins, you'll have them early. Oh, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll... No, all the way to 40 weeks, they were not moving. Um, so eventually I, I had to have a C-section. It wasn't planned, but it also wasn't an emergency, if that makes sense. We just knew that I'd got to the point where I couldn't physically carry them anymore. Again, six stone which I'm quite proud of because I, I never thought I'd be able to do that. Uh, it's, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. And the twins were born full Isn't time. Isn't that crazy though? So from someone who's had anorexia yeah. to look at your body going through that and putting on six stone, 
like if you'd have thought to your old anorexic self yeah you're gonna put six stone on and love it yeah well do you know what I'd, i love it now i love what i've done now but at the time i did struggle I'm, I'm absolutely gutted and I hate admitting it, but I barely took any photographs of that pregnancy because I wasn't comfortable with my size. But at the same time, there was no way I was ever going to skip a meal because I was carrying these two babies and, and it was my job to look after them and to feed them and I had to eat to feed them and it totally changed my mindset. Although physically at the time I didn't like the way I looked. Now looking back, I wish I'd documented it. I wish I'd videoed it and took a million photographs. And But I learned that lesson. I had another baby three years later and it was on Instagram. Every single day I was like, yeah, look at my bump, look at me. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it changes you. It does, it changes you for the better. I think motherhood, it's fabulous. Well, I think it's it's important though when we're sharing about stuff like that about not liking our bodies in pregnancy because it is something that people always comment on when you're pregnant you always got the co someone looks at you and says a comment they cannot stop I was not comfortable with every time I saw my mom and bless her but she just didn't she didn't get it it's like every time I seen her she go oh, you're huge oh wow you're like a boss <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Just don't want to hear that right now. But, but people yeah, do think, you, do, they? you do. You say, "Oh my God, you look like you're going to pop," and any day now, look at the size of you. Wow. And some people don't mind it and that's great but me I, I was like yeah just okay I know I've put weight on I'm pregnant <laughs> I was over it third time I was just like fuck off yeah yeah <laughs> with, with my with my second baby like the second pregnancy third baby yeah I was like you know what say what you want it's fine I don't care I loved it completely different I really enjoyed it so what was it like suddenly having two newborn babies? It was a whole load of anxiety, loneliness, which you discussed earlier. I, I can't believe that I could live in a house with two babies and it was so silent. That was just bizarre. I wasn't expecting that. And not being able to just go out with friends and, and socialise and have people over and all of that. And yeah, it just completely changed everything. And as much as it was amazing, part of it was lovely. I think that the memories I've got from the first, when the twins came along, it was more very like quite down and yeah, not, not what I expected. Did you suffer with postnatal depression? I think I did. Now looking back, I would say, yeah, yeah, I definitely did. And it took me a good three years. It took me until I got pregnant again to realize that. Because when I was pregnant the second time, I felt completely different. And I just thought, wow, how come I didn't feel like this first time around? But first time around, you don't know. You don't know what to expect. You don't get a manual. Like, you just, you have these babies and you're sent off. You don't know how you're supposed to feel. And then when people come and ask how you are, I think we're all very good at just going, oh, brilliant. Yeah, oh, they've slept all night. They're doing dead well. Yeah, feed every four hours, <laughs> 40 minutes. Yeah. Oh, God, man, we're a nightmare. Did you feed? Did you breastfeed? No, both? I didn't oh. breastfeed. No, but I was up and down them stairs all night making bottles. Like, and I was one of them really over-the-top mums. I wouldn't even let my husband change a nappy. I wouldn't let him do a bottle because I was convinced he was going to do it wrong. But I would never say that to him. So yeah. I was just like, no, it's all right, love. You rest, darling. Yeah, you go to golf <laughs> again. I'll just, do, <laughs> I'll just do the nappies. And inside, like, I was fuming. <laughs> Exhausted. It's that resentment thing, isn't yeah. it? And that, it's that, I think so many of us do it silently. 
Yeah, we don't explain what's wrong. So we're in our heads. We're kind of seething and feeling yeah. resentful, but we haven't vocalised what is the problem. Oh, so they he had can't... it so easy. He had it really easy. And then I got pregnant again. And I was like, oh, yeah, payback. <laughs> Short turn. <laughs> You're doing it. And now I'm like that to my daughter. She's still in nappy. She's just turned three. Um, and I'm like, you've had, a, you've had a poo. Go and tell daddy. You've done a poo. Go on, go and tell daddy. Isn't that lovely? And I just sit and smile and think, yeah, well... I've done the twins. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, over it's not surprising you found it overwhelming with twins. I think there is even that element with one is sometimes just like get through it. So with two, it must literally be a case of get your head down, do what you have to do, get through. Yeah, and I used to do all the night feeds. I'd have one at each side and I'd have a bottle in each hand feeding them both at the same time and then and I you wouldn't let Paddy do wouldn't let him do anything wouldn't let him near them wouldn't I would him. literally be getting out of bed so loud no and no it wouldn't wake up do men do that like they oh. do your men do that they just don't wake up they don't hear the cry apparently like, <laughs> apparently so like this might have been dreamt up by a guy there is something in our nature that means that a mum naturally hears the baby cry and goes dad's because of they would go out and hunt they zone out so they've got enough energy to go off and hunt, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but now, so I've literally just stopped breastfeeding. And so now when Max wakes up, because to get him, that's the last feed he's dropped, is the kind of very early morning. Tom has to go oh. in. But does Tom wake up? But it is, it, apparently, it's, it's that. It's, so we it's, just hear it. Yeah, I can hear mm. them now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> sure <someone's crying. laughs> but my husband's in Nepal for two weeks, so obviously we're really happy at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's dramatic. We're really happy. Really happy. I'm not exhausted at all. Uh, no, yeah, we, we, we get on so well when he's away, actually. We, <laughs> we really do. <laughs> no, there is that weird thing, I think, when they're not there to be resentful at, because you just kind of get on with it. It because it, you're the only one there. Yeah. Weirdly, it does feel that little bit happier. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like, oh, I've got to go and work for two weeks. I have you, darling. In Nepal, yeah. Uh, with Freddie Flintoff and um, and the lads were filming Top Gear. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I've just booked a mini break to Greece. I haven't told him yet. <laughs> well, this is your new. <laughs> this is your new thing, isn't it? Because you never left them, and you've just started mum breaks. Yeah, so i probably get onto this, but for those who don't know, my twins are autistic. Um, does anyone know about autism? Has anyone heard of autism? Just raise your hand, I can see you all. So you've all heard of it. Has anyone got autistic children or children with special needs? Look, not so many, I have. So all of you raised your hands before, that is amazing that you've heard of it, but there'll only be four of us in the room that truly, truly understand it, um, which is one of the reasons I talk about it so much. But because my children are autistic, it's really, really difficult to leave them because there is so much more to my children raising them. There's a strict routine. They've got sensory issues. They've got attachment issues. I can't just get a babysitter. I can't just call mum and say, can you come over and look after these children? So it took me five years to leave them in school. They never went to creche or play dates or children's clubs or anything like that. So for me to even consider having a night away was a massive, massive big deal. But it was just the last year since they started school. They've got full-time one-to-one like support. Their speech came along really well because my children were non-verbal until they were four, which is really common with autism. 
it just wasn't possible for me to go away. So whilst my husband carried on with his life and his work, <laughs> I was at home with these children feeling more like a carer than a mum. But in the last year, I'm really, really over the moon with how well they're all doing. And I'm embracing it. And I am giving myself mummy breaks. <laughs> I've had two this year. Um, and I've gone away for two nights. And it was lovely. And it's taken six years for me to get there. I absolutely love it and I highly recommend it if you could do it. You're on a mummy break. You've got you've right got now. three days off <laughs> yeah. right now. But yeah, but it's needed and well deserved. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Well, let's talk about the, uh, the twins growing up. Did you know about autism no, before? No, no, I'd, I'd heard of it, like, like most of you have heard of it, but I didn't actually know anything about it, so I didn't know the signs. And these were my first children, so I had nothing to compare to. And even though I grew up with a really big family and lots of babies, never really took much notice of, it's the development, the steps of when they're supposed to start talking, when they're supposed to eat solid food. I didn't want to follow a book or what everyone else did. I just wanted to let the children grow and develop as they were. And I was really happy with what they were doing. And I just thought they were perfect and amazing. And, and I still do think that. So there was nothing there for me to ever think these children are different, even though they weren't saying a word when they were four years old. I was still like, they're fine. Yeah. And, and, and I don't even think I was in denial. I think... I just didn't know. I just didn't know anything about it. Whereas now, I've gone off and educated myself on it. I, I totally, I could see it from when they were six months old with little really? things. They were, yeah, yeah. And now I can see it in me, in my younger daughter who isn't diagnosed yet. Um, she's only three, but all the signs were there. They were tiptoeing, really, really oversensitive with any kind of noise. If anyone came to the house that they didn't know or they didn't recognise, if the doorbell rang, that would trigger a meltdown. Not just a tantrum, it's a full meltdown and it can last forever. And um, yeah, they wouldn't eat solid food. They didn't like clothes or anything with sequins or buttons or collars, anything that isn't comfortable for mm -hmm. them. The seams on the socks or the vest they didn't like. Everything was just, it was like the world was just overwhelming for these children that must have been really hard as a mum yeah I just thought I had these big softies like and, and that's how I looked at them so I've just got these big softies and and it was only when my mum started to come and visit as the children got older when I got pregnant again she was like 
I think they should be talking now, and I think they should. And I, and I think my mum was always a bit scared to say, and I'd always reassure and say that absolutely fine. It's because the twins, and I did take them to see a pediatrician, and the pediatrician was like, yeah, no, it's because the twins. There's just a bit of a delay there, and it's like, mum, they're fine, just like leaving. Yeah, it was only when I took them to a nursery and I could see what all the other four-year-olds were doing. They were having full conversations, like they were properly talking to each other, and they knew the names, and like the other parents had come in to collect the kids and the kid would go running to them whereas mine were it, it was like they were completely oblivious to the rest of the world and what was going on but then if the doorbell rang that way they'd be like what what is that could never take them to a play center or tesco or you know come to my big shop because it but would then be is too it much. Like for you you must have just felt like it was really hard it was like i can't explain it other than it was just me and the twins and the rest of the world just had to just disappear and leave us to it. I just, I was very happy with me and the twins in the house with no visitors and not going out because they were safe and happy and they were calm. And and I think as a mum, that's all you want for your children. You just want them to be happy. I never wanted to take them anywhere that was going to upset them. And friends and family would say, oh, let's go to the zoo. Oh, there's this kids club on. Let's take them there. And I'd make a million excuses. One family member really fell out with us because we wouldn't go over for Christmas Day. But I couldn't explain to her that it would just be too much for my children. And Because I didn't know why. I didn't understand why. There was three years that I didn't put a Christmas tree up, which, again, it sounds really sad, but, but it's not, this isn't like poor us because... I wouldn't do anything that would upset them. Any um, changes? Putting a Christmas tree up in the house for them would be like, why is there a tree in the house? Why has it got lights on it? Why is everyone singing and dancing and there's flashing lights everywhere and there's tinsel and there's far too much going on? And I didn't understand why they were like that. Now I know it's because they're autistic. I can fully understand it and I can sort of see where they're coming from. Why, why is there a tree in the house at Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> So uh, what was it like when you actually got told that that's that they had autism? I wasn't expecting it. I was so shocked. And I think it, it's something I talk about a lot to the paediatricians. I'm, I'm involved quite a lot in the Cheshire autism community because our experience is one of thousands and it shouldn't have happened how it happened. There was no warning, if that makes sense. There was no one. We, we'd had all these meetings with different doctors and nurses and therapists and we knew we had this meeting with this paediatrician and um, it came from nowhere. She just said, your children are autistic, both of them. They're both autistic and this is where they are on the scale. They're, they're quite highly moderate, my twins. It just came from nowhere. I think somewhere along the way, someone should have said to us, the reason we're doing all of this is because we feel that there might be something, there might be a reason behind the speech delay. There might be, a, you know, there might be something else there, but there was sort of no warning. We just got given this lifelong condition we were told our children have got this condition there's no cure for autism there's nothing that's going to fix it so my children will grow into autistic adults there's nothing we can do to help other than talk about it which is why sorry I will talk about this all night but then this is why you share yeah because you want your children to grow up and be surrounded by a world that understands that them. understands it so the only way we can help autistic children now when when they grow into teenagers and adults is for people to understand them if more people understood it then 
they will grow up absolutely fine. Now, I'm not saying they're going to go out and get jobs and drives and whatever. Hopefully they will, but they might not. And if they don't, that's fine. But if people could just understand them a little bit more, you know, not stay. If we're out and about, we, we recently took our first flight, the first time we've been away with the children. And that was all to do with sensory issues. But straight away, as soon as we got outside the airport, they wanted the ear defenders on, which for my children is perfectly normal. If they see other children wearing ear defenders, they wouldn't even look, they won't bat an eyelid. But the amount of people that stay, I just think, wow, if you only knew that the noise is too loud, it's yeah. going to upset them, don't stay. But yeah, it, people don't understand it. So of course, they, you know, they're just going to look. I think with autism, it's an invisible disability um, that you know, it's invisible because you can't see it. I, I think I can spot it now in more children than I could before, but it's not like somebody in a wheelchair or if someone's got a broken leg and you can't always see autism. So I have to try and understand that not everyone's going to understand my children. It's funny, so I've got a friend who, uh, his little boy has just been diagnosed with autism and uh, and they were on a flight he was doing something to the seat in front and they said, oh, I'm really sorry. And the lady was tutting and tutting and tutting. And then he said, I'm really sorry, he's got special needs. And she went, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't realise. And he was yeah. like, well, you shouldn't have to realise. Like, yeah. it's, it's that thing of, it's not okay simply because of that. He's a child yeah. and we're in a vet, like, we're all in a stressful situation. Yeah, it's difficult. I think something I can't stress enough is that you cannot punish a child who is scared and frightened um, and feeling anxious. No child should feel that way. And that is how my children feel on a daily basis. They go to school. My daughter's got really bad anxiety, quite severe at the minute. And she's six. She's six years old with really, really bad anxiety. And it breaks my heart. And that, like you were saying, that that lady or whoever was in front has just thought, oh, tell, you, tell your child to stop it. And then once they've realised that there's some special needs there, they've gone, all oh, right, oh, it's okay then. People don't understand it. And I suppose that's not their fault. So all we can do is talk about it and try and educate the world mm. <laughs> on my own. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll do it. <laughs> well, I, I was looking back over your Insta stories, back through the back catalogue. And, uh, and there was, a, I think it was last year, you took them to CBeebies, to yes. a big event. And yeah. in it, you said that you'd had about 10 meltdowns that day. How... Do you feel being out in public now when like how do you navigate that situation? Because we've all been there with our children yeah. when they have tantrums and meltdowns, but ours might be limited. Whereas for you, yeah. you know it's quite likely yeah, gonna that, happen. That day in particular was was just awful. Um I'd got to the point where so the, the twins were five at the time and I just got to the point where I wanted to push them a little bit and it's it's a fine line to how far you can push autistic children because you want them to do well and for them to not get better but for them to get used to things you've got to take them out and about but you know taking them out and about is going to upset them um so taking them to a theme park probably wasn't <laughs> the best idea <laughs> but I just I was feeling a bit positive and I was like yes we're gonna do it we are gonna go on that postman pat right 10 times um, and we did <laughs> but yeah it, it there was there was a lot of meltdowns it just all got too much for them um and even though there's supposed to be a system in place for children with with any kind of disability to sort of queue jump and but then you get people looking at you like, why are you going to the front of the queue? Oh, it's because the Paddy McGuinness's children. Well, no, actually, it's because they've got autism. Uh, but yeah, trying to explain that to everyone in the theme park, it just got too much. And the children 
got really, really upset. They couldn't understand why they'd have to get off a ride. They just couldn't process that. They haven't got much concept of time and understanding that, you know, it goes around once and then we get off and someone else gets on. And that's something that we're still working on now. I'm pleased to say a year later, we've, we've gone to Peppa Pig World. Yeah. <laughs> that was better. <laughs> uh, that was a lot better. I think we just, we got lucky. We went on a quiet day and they'd done really, really well. But I think theme parks with children in general, is not always a great idea. <laughs> but it's nice. <laughs> We've done it. But when, but when they are, when they have those outbursts, for me, you know, I've always had mum sweats, and my so my middle child has meltdowns, big ones, and he has night terrors. So we've had him have a night terror on a flight before, and when you're out in public. There is that thing of you need to tend to your child in the way that's loving to them, but you've also got, you know, that people are yeah. watching. I think that's something I've learned and I stick by it. So now my focus is always on the children and I sort of have to not care and not worry about what other people are thinking and what they're looking at. If, if my children are upset, no matter where it is, if it's in the middle of a shop or in the middle of a road or wherever we are, I have got to focus on the child, whichever one it is, and figure out the best way to calm them down, make sure they're safe. As I look around, I always think, right, they're safe, they're okay. Yeah, Sometimes they just need to get it out of the system. I haven't got time to sit and speak to everybody about what's going on. Like, you know, just keep moving. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think, you know, it's difficult again, like I said, because people can't really see what's going on. They just see a child kicking off and think, oh God, they're just being naughty. You know, and that's that's not the case. They're probably really scared and frightened. It's even funny, isn't it, that we put that naughty label on children? Mm. Like, yeah. children aren't naughty. No, they're, they're I, d- I don't think like, so. They, they just don't understand a situation or they don't have the ability to explain yeah. how they're yeah, feeling. Yeah, especially they're if frustrated. they're non-verbal. God, when, when they were non-verbal, like I said, they didn't speak till they were four. It was really, really difficult. It was really hard. So we used to communicate with pictures and that helped a lot. It was just something I figured out to do. So if I wanted them to ask for something, I took photographs of like the bottle of water or a packet of crisp and I'd leave the photographs on a table and eventually they figured out if they picked the picture up and brought it to me, then that was our first way of communicating. And then was I, that really emotional when it, that first Yeah, to me it was like, okay, we, we're, we're talking, you know, yeah, we're not, we're not verbally talking, but we're communicating. And then we used that for if I was taking them to a park, because if you think about it, if you were in a foreign country and you were put in the back of a car every day and that person who's driving you is saying, yeah, we're going to the shop, we're going to the shop now, but you can't understand a word they're saying. So you're just in the back of that car, not knowing where you're going, what's happening, who's going to be there. That would be so scary, and that's how it is for So did they not understand what you children. were saying either? No, well, no, because well, they, they had absolutely no, no words. They couldn't understand anything. So wherever I was taking them, and I felt bad once I sort of figured that out. I felt really bad of all the places I'd taken them and people I'd brought to the house. And although I've been saying to them, oh, Nanny's coming today... They didn't have a clue who was ringing the doorbell, so I'm not surprised they jump out of the skin and be like, who's that? So we started using photographs. Even if we went to the local park, I'd show them a photograph of where we were going. And I just noticed their anxiety really reduced. It, it helped so much. And eventually they would bring me the picture and say, Mummy. Mummy. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so it's it, that's how we started and it, it just spiralled from there. That really, really helped. But yeah, when you've got no communication with your children, it's difficult, it's heartbreaking. I think as a mum, 
you know, we all love a bit of peace and quiet, but when your children are non-verbal, it's heartbreaking. You don't want a silent child. Mm. It must feel very lonely. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. I mean, even still now, even though the children are a lot better, they're getting more used to noise and change. But even still, when I go to the school, it's still really hard because I'm seeing all these other normal children. And although from a distance, mine look like all the others, I can see that they're not mixing and communicating and playing and they're not, they're not socialising like the others. They're there, they're sort of there, but there's nothing between them and the other children and that still hurts and I think it's something that will improve because they're still really really young but then there's always the the birthday parties now that they're at school every other week there's a a kid's birthday party and and sometimes I'll look at the invitation and I go that's not going to be suitable and how do I say no and then you sort of look like the one that doesn't turn up and take the kids to everyone else's birthday party but it's because I know it's going to upset my children and then trying to explain that to every other mum in the school is difficult as well so it still is really really hard we've got a long way to go but well, I think it's we all better. worry about our kids growing up mm. for you that's even more difficult yeah it petrifies me and every now and again it, it really 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 gets to me because I do think like I said my, my children are going to grow into autistic adults and they're probably going to need some kind of support when they get older I don't know if they're ever going to be able to cook for themselves or drive a car or get a job. I don't know if they're ever going to live on their own. And yeah, you know, we're really, really lucky financially we can support them, but that's not going to give them everything they need. People sort of look at me and my husband and they probably look at my social media and think, oh, she's probably got six nannies and whatever. And I haven't. I haven't. I'm the full-time mum at home and that's what I do. I want to be that forever. Yes, it's nice doing little things like this, and I do little bits of work when I can for my sanity. But um, for the children, when they grow up, I want to be there as much as possible, but I'm not going to be there forever. And that's it's scary because we haven't got a huge family. You know, there is, the, it is just me and the three children most of the time. So you worry about something. So I worry, ab- to I you worry as about well. if anything happens to me. Oh, God, I can't get a cold without my husband going, what, What's the matter? Are you okay? <laughs> Please say you're fine. I'm like, No, it's okay. I'll, I'll survive. Um, but yeah, it's, I think there's a lot of pressure on mums, mums and childcare, whether your children have got additional needs or not. I think it does fall on us. And, and I think we probably feel it more than most about who is going to look after our children when they're older. I just hope to God that they make really, really good friends. Or I used to worry about, it's silly, when, when you're pregnant, you think of the daftest things. And I used to think, I was having a boy and a girl, and I was like, oh, I don't want them to have boyfriends and girlfriends. I can't be doing with that. I don't, I don't want any. And now there's nothing else that I want for my children when they're older. I've, I want them to build those relationships because that's normal. You know, I want them to get married and... I don't know if that's going to happen. I hope it does. But I want them to feel love because that is something they might struggle with because they, they really struggle with their emotions. That's quite common for children with autism. And it's, yeah, it, it's just not something that will come naturally for them. So I really, really worry. I worry that they're not going to have those friendships and relationships as they get older. But yeah, they've got me for now. <laughs> Bless them. They've got no choice. <laughs> They're like that at four in the morning. Oh my God, she's there again looking at us. <laughs> but for, so for you, what do you do for you? Because that's a lot. That's a lot on you. Yeah. It so is. what what do you do for you that um, kind of can you find stuff stuff that I kind get, of. <laughs> 
people think I'm bonkers. I go to the gym and and people I've say I've seen many photos of you and your lycra. I go to the gym um, and I think people probably think like, where do you even get the energy? Because like we, we barely sleep in our house. We're up all night, but... It is for sanity. That is all it's for. I would go to the gym if it didn't change the way I looked. I would still go to the gym. If it didn't change my body shape or anything, I would still go to the gym because when I go to the gym, I switch off and I always come out feeling better. I feel stronger and more empowered when I've been to the gym and I've had a workout and I feel a bit more set for the day. Slightly more exhausted, but still, you know, I can do it. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's what I choose to do. There's nothing else that I can think that I could really fit into. My, my time's really limited because I've got, as most of you know, you have the school run in the morning and the school run at night. And by the time you've got home and dropped everyone off, you, you literally, you've got like, what, four hours to yourself. If I can work in those four hours, then I will. I'll try and work. But if not, then, then yeah, I'll go to the gym. Now and again, I'm, I'm, I might see my husband for a minute if I have to, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if he's there. <laughs> well, I'm talking about Paddy then. So how has having children with autism affected your relationship? As any children would, yeah. um, you know, you're up all night, you're tired. Like you were saying earlier, you have that stage, I think the first two years where you are a bit like, you know, you're resentful and you barely see them and, you, you know, you're not sleeping. And we went in separate rooms for a while because he was working really, really late and early in the morning he was coming in at different times and it just made sense because I had the children in my room and he would come and disturb us or disturb them or we would disturb him. So that happened for a while. And then, yeah, miraculously got pregnant again. <laughs> Don't know where that bit happened. <laughs> yeah, we, put, we moved house and put the twins in their own room and then got pregnant again. And then, uh, and then we had that other drift where the youngest was in our room. But with the autism being thrown in as well, then it really affected us. It affected us differently, I think, where I was a little bit, like, relieved that... There's something now I can understand. There's something I can learn about. There's something I, I wanted to know everything. These are my children. I wanted to know everything I could about this condition. My husband was the opposite. He was, not that he didn't accept it, but he was very much like, didn't want to talk about it, didn't want to know anything about it. He, he almost didn't want to admit it. He didn't want to talk about it publicly. He, he didn't want to say that there was anything wrong with our mm -hmm. children because we don't see it as being wrong that they're, they're different yeah. there's nothing wrong with them they're just different so yeah we had we had that the disagreement over that quite a lot because if the children would act up or act in a certain way I was quite quick to jump to the defense like mums do and I'd be saying well no it's because of this so it's because of and he just didn't understand it but he didn't understand it because he refused to learn about it mm. I've nagged him for a good couple of years and now he's on board and he <laughs> understands it well, and now do you think better. like talking about it publicly even him getting messages about it and understanding it more and not shying away from it so much. Do you yeah. think that's helped him accept it? it? Yeah, yeah, and it had to happen. Like, we, we discussed talking it publicly and, and he was really unsure about it and I was unsure about it. We didn't know what response we were going to get and we weren't sure if we were going to get any response at all. We weren't sure how, how big it would go and... It's ended up being really, really good and positive and it's been amazing and I love talking about it, but I had to do it because I do the childcare. So it was sort of okay for him to say, oh, I'm not ready to talk about the children being autistic yet. But then I was sat there going, but I'm taking them out every single week, every day, every weekend. I'm at all these meetings and 
people are looking and thinking that there's something with our children. So I want to say it before somebody says it to me. I want to say, you know, sometimes I need to use that word and just say, yeah, my children are autistic. Um, so that's why we chose to talk about it. It was almost like we couldn't hide it anymore. I didn't want to hide it and if I needed to hide it, but it was just saying it out loud, I think had to be done so that people could understand because I just didn't want things... I didn't want everyone to just think, oh God, I've seen that Paddy McGuinness's kids and they're, they're, you know, throwing a tantrum over here or they're, you know, they're acting hard or whatever. So I wanted to explain it for mm. them, if that makes sense. Now, now he's totally fine with it. He's okay with it. He still likes to keep himself busy. He definitely likes to switch off from it more than I do. I think sometimes when you've got children with autism, you, you can feel a bit like you're suffocating um, and it's hard to get away from it because it's your whole life, yeah. which your children are your whole life anyway. But when they've got additional needs, it's everything. But yeah, he's definitely getting his head around it. Mm. And I think with our third child, although she's not diagnosed, I think the fact that we've, we've already discussed it and both agree that, yes, yeah, she is possibly on the spectrum. We're a bit more ready to hear it this time. It's not going to make it any easier. It's still going to be hard to hear it if when it happens but at least we're ready to hear it this time whereas we wasn't last time we didn't have a clue mm. yeah and going back to our bodies yeah having had twins and having had you know a, a third baby how do you feel about your body now because obviously you go to the gym that's your you time yeah is that for your mind as well it is as as for physical it's for my mind it's absolutely for my mind um, i think you know, what it does to your body on the outside is a bonus. No, it is, for, like I said, I would do it, whether it changed my body or not, I would still go to the gym. People say to me a lot, oh, you look like you're really confident, or again, we've talked about how social media can be quite misleading. I put pictures of me, and I show videos of me training because I wish I'd have seen that when I was younger because I think the message is wrong of these girls that are putting these perfect images out there who have, who have never been to a gym, I am saying, look, I, I look like this because I work, I work yeah. out. I'm strong because I work out and I work hard. That's not why I do it, but just so you know, I'm not on any silly diet. I'm not taking silly pills. I'm not on shakes or coffee or whatever it is they're selling. I, I go to the gym, so I show it for that reason. Mm -hmm. um, but I think people do assume that I'm probably quite confident because of that. And People think that I'm really, really confident when actually I'm not. I'm just more comfortable with how I am now and I'm grateful for my health and, mm. and I'm grateful that my body's given me these three children. So for that reason, I sort of don't really care how I look anymore. Um, it's not a confidence. It's just that I'm comfortable with how I am and I'm grateful for what I've got. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to me tonight. Honestly, I know I've banged on about autism, but... No, but it's that's my, important because actually it's passion. an area that we've never actually covered at all on the podcast. So I actually love the fact that you've been able to come here and speak so honestly. Oh, thank you. And I think with media and social media, we always get a preconceived idea of what people are going to be like. And having you just chat openly and honestly... You're so lovely and it's been absolutely delightful oh, to listen to you. thank you so much. So thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for coming. It's been absolutely lovely and I hope you've had an amazing night. Go and have a drink. Just walk home slowly. It's all right. Just say I banged on a little bit longer. Uh, it's been lovely. Thank you so much for coming. Bye. <laughs>
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.